This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 355. You look at what I had done in my business prior to that, like out raking leaves in the yard was presumably a step back, but I knew it was worth the sacrifice to, to move forward light years ahead of where I would have gone otherwise without that opportunity. So yeah, just be the, the absolute best that you can be at whatever task is at hand. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? This is Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host and our guest today. We have two people, Mr. David Green on the camera here and Mr. Ryan Murdoch live in the sea shed. What's going on, fellas? Morning, guys. Yeah. Hello. What's up, David? Not much, dude. I have been traveling all over the place. I just got back from Nashville and then Long Beach and then Philadelphia for Dave Van Horn's Investor Summit. I'm finally sleeping in my own bed. Welcome back home. Now you got to get on a plane and come out here and hang out with Ryan and I. We could have done this in person, but you're like, no, I don't want to go to Hawaii. Nah, I don't Flames. know that I've ever said that before. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So today's show, uh, today's show, the reason we're doing this is we're actually interviewing Ryan Murdoch. Now we talk about Ryan a lot on the Bigger Pockets podcast because Ryan lives here in Maui. Uh, he's part of my team. We're partners on a bunch of stuff. And we thought it'd be fun to actually interview Ryan and tell the story of where that came from and all the lessons we've learned from doing little, like him doing little deals on his own, me doing little deals and powering together. So that's kind of the plan today. Thoroughly entrenched myself in your existence. Yes, that's yeah. great. We're, we're like grafted together. Uh, but before we get to that, let's get to today's quick tip. David, quick tip, go. Today's quick tip is be like Ryan. On today's show, you are going to hear what a perfect example, a case study in being a good employee and being rewarded for it looks like. Ryan masters several things, including getting stuff done, humbling himself, taking action, approaching Brandon the right way, helping make Brandon a bunch of money and himself money in the process. If you are frustrated that you are not getting where you want to go, look at what Ryan did, do what Ryan did, and you should get what Ryan has. Wow. Very good. Look at that. Be like Ryan. That's awesome. All right. T-shirts made. Good. All right. So by the way, guys, you may hear the noise right now. We've got like landscapers working around my property right now as we're recording today. So don't mind them if uh, we actually bring them up later. And there's a point to the why the landscapers are here. No, we didn't do that on purpose, but it brought up a good conversation point. So if you hear the noise, forgive us. This is a, this is a live show right now. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. 
Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. And uh, without further ado... Let's get to our interview with Mr. Ryan Murdoch. All right, Ryan Murdoch, welcome back to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Morning, this sir. is cool. Yeah, it is truly a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we, thanks for having me back. Yeah, any anytime, man. All right, well, uh, today this is gonna be kind of a different episode, obviously, because we've got uh, you and me here in the studio in the sh- the sea shed. Sea shed. I have to be very careful how I say that. The the sea shed by the seashore. Uh, and David here is on uh, the screen in front of us, which is kind of cool. His head's a little smaller than normal. That's okay. That's because my shoulders are getting bigger. It just looks that way. <laughs> there we go. All right. So uh, this is going to be a little bit different show. Uh, so David is going to be more of interviewing a little bit more of us in that. Well, we'll still be interviewing together, but we'll That's make weird. it happen. We're going to wing it. We will see how much mic time I actually take from Brandon. I know. And how much he wrestles <laughs> I, back away. I usually take quite a bit of it. So in fact, I'm going to let you, David, start the line of questioning. Well, that's amazing. Hopefully I get to keep going after that. <laughs> so... We've got a power couple on here today, Brandon Turner and Ryan Murdoch, two very good friends of mine who are currently crushing it in real estate. And I would like to start by asking how you two lovebirds met. Podcast, right? Yeah, the podcast originally, uh, what, three or four years ago, I had applied to be on the Bigger Pockets podcast, got accepted, uh, did that show, it was fantastic. Tried to reach out to Brandon afterwards, but he completely ignored me as most mm-hmm. superstars do. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't give up there. It was, I don't know, three or four months after that. You should have started the email with, will you be my mentor? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what I did. Yeah. I figured that was like, for sure. Like, what can I do for you to help? You know? No, I Uh, think you were. Yeah. But no, it was like three or four months after that, Darren Sager was hosting a meetup in New York, like he does. And, uh, being fresh off the four hour work week and having some other changes in my life. Like I just felt that it was right to randomly book a flight to New York on a Wednesday afternoon to go fanboy over Brandon (laughs) at at this meetup, which I did. Uh, so you were there. I 
met you briefly. I think we spoke for 30 seconds. I said something awkward and weird and then just disappeared to the back of the room. <laughs> like I typically do. I think uh, that's Brandon's love language. Yeah, But it was a great meetup. You gave your presentation. And uh, one of the things that you spoke about, which is something that you had been talking about on the podcast a lot, was your search for a mobile home park. Yeah. You were, you had a 1031 deal going on. You had just sold your first property. The clock was ticking. You had to find another property and you wanted a mobile home park and you kept saying 50 lots, public water, public sewer, like, yeah. and standing in that room, it was a great presentation, but to myself, I'm thinking, okay, oh, yeah, you. yeah, no, we've, we've, we, you know, we've heard that I've heard the mobile home park thing a thousand times. I know he's yeah. looking like didn't register that I would actually play any part of that at all. So I, I flew home and like the next week we had a local meetup in Bangor, Maine, where I was living at the time. And uh, one of the guys there mentioned offhand that he had a mobile home park that he was looking to sell. And he's and the, the words clicked. He said, it's 50 lots, public water, public sewer. And I'm <laughs> like, so I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no way that Brandon Turner is going to want to buy a mobile home park in Bangor, Maine. But like, I, I can't pass up that opportunity. But how, so, how would you describe Bangor, Maine? Like <laughs> probably about like Grace Harbor, Washington, like just small yeah. podunk, blue yeah. collar, like not a whole lot going on, usually 10 or 15 years behind like the rest of the country on trends and other things. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a great little community. It uh, it's a great place to, to invest in real estate, but it's, you know, it's a small and cold, small and cold area. Yeah. It's, it's, I, don't, I think we get, I don't know, seven months out of the year is just cold and miserable. The summers and fall are beautiful, but the rest of it is just cold and, and, and awful. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so this guy at the meetup who had the mobile home park, I said, Ed, you know, his name's Ed. Uh, I said, send me the numbers to that park. I got to at least see if I can pursue this a little bit. So he did. I looked at the numbers and I remember sitting in my computer for an extended period of time with the email type to Brandon with like, <laughs> you know, uh, hey, this is probably not something you're interested in, but I just at least wanted to, to send it to you. And it wasn't really that I expected that he would be interested in this park. It was more like I just wanted to stay engaged with Brandon Turner, like just stay in communication with him. And it was a way for me just to send something other than, Hey buddy, how you doing? Like I had a thing that I could That's send in. So I sent the email and, uh, it was, I don't know, a half hour later, whatever you sent me a text. I'm pulling up the email right now. Yeah. You sent me a text and it was something effective like, Hey dude, uh, thanks for sending me that. I'm about to get on a flight. I'll, I'll analyze it on, on the, on the plane. And right there I'm like, yeah, victory. Like he responded, like, you know, I, I maybe added some value, even if it doesn't go anywhere, but here it was. So that like, to me was a win it got better. Like six or seven hours later, I got an email and a text message from you to something of the effect. Uh, dude, I've analyzed hundreds of mobile home parks over the past couple of years. I like this one better than any of them. Would you like to partner on it? And I almost fell out of my chair. And like, so one of my initial thoughts was, well, yeah, well I was like, oh, there's no way I'm going to buy a property 3000 miles away from me. In yeah. A, but a market, I don't know. But my initial yeah. reaction was, Oh my God, I've, I've oversold this thing. He doesn't know like <laughs> Bangor, Maine. He doesn't know this is a C class park. Like it was a pretty depressed park. It was a serious value add project. So I think my next email to you was like screenshots of the Google street view and said, make sure you note the overturned shopping carts and the exposed belly fat. Like this is a, <laughs> this is a rough park. I, yeah, you're right. the, the, I found the emails here. Yeah. The park is rough, which yeah. equals management intensive, but the numbers may work. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. So long story, a little less long. You agreed to come out to my house and, and hang out for a couple of days. We were going to do due diligence on this park. Yep. It was like, I don't know, 400 degrees below zero. It was just absolutely cold, miserable. We went out there, we marched through, I don't know, a dozen vacant, blown out, burned out mobile homes. Uh, did our due diligence. Uh, we did a meetup that night, which was pretty cool. Like yeah. the, 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 the local meetup. Did we meet um, Ed that night? 
I remember if he was there. I think he, he was, was out of town. Yeah, I think he was out of town. Yeah, we didn't we didn't meet him then. But uh, Which, by, yeah. the, by the way, so you you invited me to your house. Yeah. Right? Oh no no you yeah. didn't you invited me to a hotel. <laughs> yeah no this is great yeah because you said you were gonna come out and I'm thinking okay Brandon doesn't know me at all like he's not gonna want to stay at my house but I'll at least offer it up so I emailed yeah. you I said look you're welcome to stay at my house I've got an but, extra bedroom yeah. but you probably don't want to do that it's two nights like here's here's the hotels I recommend and you responded back like. Oh yeah, no problem. I'll stay at your house. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, well, I remember, I remember at the time thinking like, if I'm going to go into business with a person, yeah. I've got to be able to spend the night at his house. Like that was my actual line of thought was yeah, that like, was a bold move. Cause you had no idea. <laughs> well, like, like he could murder me yes. and then I shouldn't go in business with him. Yeah. That was my, that was my, yeah. Thing, so, so the funny part about that was the spare bedroom that I had, like one of my side hustles forever when I was doing real estate was doing eBay. So I was mm. dragging home like junk from yard sales and like old Jeeps and parting them out. And my spare bedroom was my inventory warehouse. So I had like industrial shelving and just the walls are trash and the trim was beat up and the room was just beat to death after five years of, of inventory <laughs> stores. And Brandon, I think you were coming like, I don't know, like five or six days later. So it was like my own little episode of uh, HG like home makeover where I took all the crap out of that room, <laughs> repainted the whole thing, fixed the trim, repaired the blinds. <laughs> I didn't have any furniture. I went out, I had to buy a bedroom set, like a bed, a nightstand, a lamp, a rug, like all that stuff. And right before I picked you up at the airport, I even had like a painting that I bought at Lowe's and I hung that on the wall. Like, hey, we're up and around. Like this whole thing to like get ready for a Brandon Turner. Uh, so you came, you had no idea that the room hadn't been like that for years. Pulled it off. Con you went to partnering with me on that yeah. park. And uh, I was like, that's a normal guy. Yeah. So we yeah. closed, I don't know what, a month or so later and uh, off to the races. So this is a case study in the right way to approach somebody. I mean, I know we're joking around a lot, but you were able to cut through the noise and get a hold of Brandon Turner, get him to sleep in your house on your first date. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive, impressive <laughs> from many different angles. <laughs> Eventually, like get him married to you in business. So I'm fascinated. I think there's a lot of people that, that can pull out of Ryan's story to be completely genuine the right way to approach somebody and how to add value. Because we say all the time add value, but that doesn't always do you any good if you don't know how. So tell me like what happened next? How did you guys pursue this park together? How did you partner on it? What, what ended up happening? Uh, do you want to go over the partnership partnership structure? So, well, we brought in, we brought in Mindy, yeah. which I think we mentioned. So Mindy hosted the bigger pockets, uh, money. money podcast. I want to say business podcast, money podcast. So Mindy has been a good friend for a number of years. Uh, we've done some money like stuff that she's lent money, private money in the past. Uh, so we brought in Mindy and we just said, Hey, you want to partner on a mobile home park? Cause I had some of the money, not all the money. And so Ryan put in a little bit of money. I put in my 1031 money and then, uh, Mindy put in hers. And normally, just a caveat, normally you cannot put 1031 money into a partnership or a syndication. So it is not a partnership. So that way we can do a 1031. There's a couple ways to do that. There's a DST or, uh, or a TIC. Those are the two ways to take 1031 money into a group. So we each own part of the mobile home park. It is not a partnership. Yeah, TIC is basically just a way to hold title. There's several different ways to hold title. And that's one of the ways yeah. to do it. All right. So, so here's something interesting I can add to this. While all of this was going on, I was hanging out with Brandon at his house in Washington. Yeah. I believe right when the long distance book was getting ready to launch. And we were talking about the insane stress he was under trying to find something to put 1031 money into. Does that sound familiar, Brandon? Yes, yes. And I'm hearing was. about this awesome dude, Ryan Murdoch, who's like clutch when you really need him. And he found this <laughs> deal. And like, Brandon, it was like, it literally came down to like the last minute. Yeah, and it was like the last, last day. day. Yeah. Yeah, very yeah, long. If that doesn't describe what it's like to be Brandon's friend, I don't know what does. <laughs> everything comes down to the last day, just like that. Okay, so you guys buy this deal. Now tell me, how did you split up the work that was going to be done? Because if that had gone bad, you guys wouldn't still be partners today. So what was it like once you guys had to actually operate it? Yeah, it worked out pretty well. Initially, I was going to self-manage the entire thing. Uh, I got a chunk of equity. Uh, I did put money in, but I got an additional chunk of equity just for being kind of the boots on the ground guy. 
which is a great angle for anybody that yeah. doesn't have the money and has the hustle. Like that, yep. those opportunities do exist. But at the, at the last minute, I decided that managing the day-to-day operations of that park while I was qualified to do it wasn't the best use of my time. So I went back and hired the property management company that I had worked for for about five years. A great operation, Maine Real Estate Management. They run a very tight ship and I knew they could do a good job with the park and it would save me. They would do probably a better job than I would and it would save me the hassle of having to deal with a, a 50 lot mobile home park that really was in pretty rough shape at the time. Yeah. So, uh, so they dealt with the, the day-to-day, the rent collections, the maintenance calls, the, the you know, day-to-day headaches. But what I took on was more of an asset manager role where I was uh, overseeing, there were some lots that needed some infill. We had, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 homes that needed to be renovated. Uh, so I was meeting with the contractors. I was kind of doing the bigger picture stuff that typically the management companies struggle with a little more. Like they're very good at the day-to-day, but sometimes they're just out of their comfort zone on doing renovation type stuff. I did some other work with getting permit uh, permits for the park. We, I had to go in front of the planning board uh, to get some zoning things changed. And it's all stuff like outside of the scope of, of day-to-day management. So so I took on that role, which I think I did very well with. Meanwhile, the management company dealt with the day-to-day, so I didn't have to, I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. And Ryan, where did you learn those skills that you implemented when you were managing the projects? Well, I've been managing property for, I don't know, 10 years. Uh, when I first started out buying my own small multifamilies, I started a, a property management company at about the same time. And I grew that to roughly 200 managed units. Uh, I did that for about five years, which then led to the opportunity uh, to join forces with that bigger management company. Uh, I went to work for them, brought my business with me, and I worked for them for another five years or so. So I, I knew property management. And specifically, I knew that management company inside and out. So if there were any issues, like I knew all the people there, I uh, knew who to go to for the right answers and, and to get things done. So it was, it was a great arrangement. I like working with them. They like working with me. And it was, it was a great fit. Which we had uh, Jesse, who yeah. uh, Jesse McHugh. McHugh. So he was on the Bigger Pockets podcast and he's been on the Bigger Pockets business podcast. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Jesse's awesome. He runs that company. Yeah. He's, uh, an absolute rock star. Yeah, he's a rock star. Yep. Uh, one, one thing just to point out there, I thought was interesting. You brought it up. I don't want to like I don't want to leave it until we at least mention it. Like the fact that you brought value to the deal. I mean, you did bring some money, but you wouldn't have had to. It's like more like you just put like, I think the money you put in was like the, the money that you paid out for random things in the book. Yeah. Process, originally you, I wasn't going to be required yeah, to you put money put in at all. We, you had worked it out so that I didn't have to put any cash in, but I kind of felt compelled and excited to throw some money in just so I could have some sort of skin in the game. Yeah. Uh, and for that, I got additional equity. So, yeah. So, but what was cool is like, this applies to any, especially if you are somebody who lives in a market that there are deals, if you can be the person that finds the deal, you can bring somebody who brings the money. I talk about that all the time. David talks about all the time. It's like, it, there are a lot of people who live in the middle of the country or in these side pocket areas, like where I lived in Grays Harbor, you lived in, in Bangor, like, there are deals there. So networking, connecting people on bigger pockets, such a great way to, I guess, just, I don't know, make magic happen there. Yeah. It was a perfect example of yeah. what you talk about all the time is, you know, you got to have, what is it? The, the deal. Uh, yeah. The deal. Triangle. Triangle. Yeah. Triad. Yeah. yeah. You got to have the deal. You got to have the hustle and you got to have the, oh, no, the hustle, the knowledge and the money. So you don't need all of them. Yeah. You need two of the three. Yep. Well, I like that Ryan had the knowledge because he didn't just sit around and say, I want to invest in real estate. I need to find a deal. He said, I'm going to go work for a property management company and learn the fundamentals of being good at this. So when his opportunity came, he was prepared. And I know that there's some quote that probably Hal Elrod said about preparation, meeting, hard work. Or something. Probably. I think it was yeah. like Ben Franklin, but you know, we'll give it to Hal. Whatever. Well, whoever you want to credit to, because that's what you do. Ryan was ready when his, when his moment came. So I think that that's awesome. Now, uh, you two are both hanging out there in Brandon's sea shed in Hawaii. How did that come to pass? 
So it was about a what nine months after we bought the mobile home park, you had hired me to go out to one of your other apartment complexes in Ohio to yeah. do a little bit of work there. Uh, but I think the real relationship. You were the mercenary. Then. I was the mercenary. The mercenary. Yeah. So yeah, gun for hire, just flying yeah. around, wreaking havoc everywhere. Uh, but the, I think the real relationship was formed or, or Brandon's trust in me was just seeing like how we work together through the mobile home park. Like there was a lot of work that had to be done there and we were able to, you know, collectively do way more in a, in a shorter period of time than we thought we were going to be able to. Uh, and we just work well together. So I was coming back from some like consulting gig I was doing somewhere. I can't even remember where now on, on the mainland. Uh, but I got a text from Brandon saying, Hey, I just bought this house in Maui. Can you come out for a week just to help me get settled? I got a bunch of stuff to do. Like my, I got to get my truck and my shipping container and yeah. like all the stuff. Will you just come on and help me? So yeah, I booked my flight like before you had a chance to change your mind, <laughs> uh, came out for a week and pretty much just never left. Like, I think I was here about five <laughs> seconds before I decided that Maui was fantastic. How do I make it work that we can move out here? Yeah. The landlord tenant yeah. laws are very, uh, very strict here. And, and so I can't get him out. So now he just, he won't leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got at least another six months before our court date. And then I guess the technicalities, I'm going to nail him on there too. So I'm, I'm good here for at least another two years without paying rent. <laughs> Ryan yeah. would know he worked for a property manager yeah. company. Yeah, I got it down, man. I got it down. Like when a, when a prosecution attorney goes to the defense side. Yes. They'll yes never precisely. Leave. So, yeah. So I want to ask you, Brandon, from your perspective, why did you ask Ryan to move out with you? Why, when did you know this is somebody that I want to partner with on a bigger scale? How did that develop? Yeah. So this actually goes into a, a lesson. I think is actually really important for everybody who are thinking about bringing in partners or employees or just anybody in your business that you're going to be working with. Like Ryan and I built it slowly, right? Like I, he's like, what I think people oftentimes make the mistake of is like, Oh, Hey, you and me are like the same person. We should partner together. And like that, we naturally like people who are like us. Ryan and I are exactly opposites. Like when we go disc profile, yeah. like we have exactly the opposite disc profile. Um, exactly. Like, and so I think that's one of the reasons that we tend to work really well together. The, at first, like I went and hung out with you for a little while. Then we did a deal together, a specific deal. Uh, and it, it worked out well. Then I hired you to help me with another one of my properties that worked out well. Then I hired, asked you to come out just for like a week to come to Hawaii, trade you a, basically I just traded him a plane ticket yeah. in exchange for helping me. And so like at every step, we're feeling each other out. Like, do we like working together and how does that work? So that's kind of how I like approached it. And every time I needed something done, Ryan was just really good at getting things done. And so like, that's what we call them the mercenary. Like it just worked. And so that's how we kind of moved from there to let's do a little bit more. Let's do a little bit more. And that led us to where we are today buying, you know, like crazy. So did I answer that question? Okay. No, not really. Not at all. I wanted to know, how did you know, like what feeling did you have when you were like, this is the guy I want him to move here and start a business with him. Yeah. I will. I mean, I can tell you the moment that I thought it was. Yeah. Like when did you know you were in love? That's what I'm getting at here. Sunset on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Very magical. Exactly. It was a couple of things, but no, one particular thing I, is I had a shipping container from Washington state with all my crap loaded in it had been dropped off at the port here in Maui. And I had no way of getting it from there to my house. And like the next day it was parked in front of my house being unloaded. And it was just like, he was just done. Uh, and yeah. I was just thinking like, how cool is that just to have that done? Which was a, a fairly complicated thing, which actually goes to my point. I make a lot now is nothing's hard. It's just like steps that you haven't defined yet. And so it wasn't like it was hard. It just, I didn't know the steps to figure it out. So Ryan figured, and I remember thinking that day, like this would be amazing to have more of this in my life. Plus it's not like Ryan's like, like, so when I bought this property, I live out here in Hawaii. It has a, what we call an Ohana. So there's an extra house on the property. It's like, there's the main house. Then there's actually a downstairs, which we use for family and friends and maybe someday Airbnb. 
And then there's the back house, which is completely separate. I don't know, probably 50 feet off of the back of my house. It's almost like a separate little lot. And in fact, in Hawaii, I could separate it someday. And they call it CPRing it. Uh, but anyway, so I was like, well, I think you were the one that asked. You're like, what would it look like? Yeah, that was like, one of my tasks was to, yeah. you tasked me with finding a tenant, a tenant while yeah. I was here. And I did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So he's like, well, what if I just moved in back there? And I was like. That yeah, because at amazing. the time you were looking for an assistant, you had some other tasks that needed to be done. Yeah. I was certainly looking for a change of physical location because I had had enough yeah. in Maine and I was at a point <laughs> with my own portfolio and my business there that I could start to look for something. Like my wife and I were actively looking for, you know, places in the southern U.S. and warmer climates, somewhere to escape in the winter. Yeah. Um, so I just took those things and said, look, you've got a need for an assistant and for some help. Uh, I got a desire to get the heck out of a cold climate into a warm one. Uh, certainly partnering with you and, and being exposed to, you know, your world and the bigger pockets world and the guests. And like David Green, you were out here that first night I showed up uh, that first yeah, week. So like, right, yeah. just being that's immersed funny. like in that like super surreal world was like, I, I think I set the, the plate for you, bro. I think that it was me telling Brandon, like you need an assistant, yeah. man. Like we, it's all we talked about for like a week is how great it is when you have an assistant. And what I'm noticing that hasn't been mentioned here, Ryan, is that, and this is, I've noticed this about you too. You are the guy that gets stuff done. GSD. Like if you didn't already, if you weren't the mercenary, that's what we would call you. You are so good at that. When something needs to get done, Ryan steps in and he does it. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't say, I don't know how it's this amazing feeling you get when you're like, Hey, can you help me? He just does it. And he does it quickly. And if, if that's something that somebody learns how to do, you become incredibly valuable no matter what you do. And most of the time we get in our own way. The stuff that stops us from getting stuff done is not our own intelligence. It's not our resources. It's our own emotions that are like, I don't want to feel stupid. I don't want to make a mistake. That type of stuff. And Ryan just doesn't care. He will just get in there and do it. And Brandon recognized from what I'm hearing that I need a little bit more of that, of that in my life. And so, you know, he invites you to live with them in Maui. Now, now you guys have an awesome business going together. So I kind of want to get into that. Can, can you guys share what Ryan's current role is within the business that you are building? Sure. Let me, let me, so I'll take that for a second. What's funny is, yeah, originally, like, I was like, I don't know what you're going to do, but let's just call it like executive assistant, even though you're not an executive assistant. I was like, I don't know what better name to give for everything. Yeah. We had to get, we had to get really creative yes. with, with the job. <laughs> you like, you could justify and that yeah. I could do. So I was executive assistant. I was yeah. the landscaper. I was the pool boy. Yes. I was like the driver, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever needed to be done. Yeah. Cause like, we we're just like, how do we keep Ryan out here and make it justified to be able to do that? What's funny is he's moved like completely from executive assistant to, something very different. Like today, your title is VP of acquisitions. Like you're basically running pretty much the entire side of the business that involves finding mobile home parks and other properties, getting it through closing, dealing with all that stuff. So he's running all of that. And then from there, uh, Brian Murray, who wrote the book, on uh, his book called Crushing and Commercial Real Estate. He's been on the show a couple of times. Brian is our asset manager. Ryan, uh, Brian runs everything from that point on. And so it's kind of the two halves is Ryan running pre-purchase, Brian running everything after. And we got Mike and Walker in there as well right now. Uh, ironically, I brought in another, because now I lost Brian as my executive assistant. I brought in Mike. That lasted a week before Mike he was moved, promoted. promoted. <laughs> and now Mike is basically investor relations. Like that's what he does. And he's amazing at it. Yeah. And so he's running all investor relations. So it's just interesting how like, like you, you, I don't know how that works. Like, and it's great. Again, we're every step you're trying little things and, and giving people more and more based on what they're doing, which is why like, I mean, David, I know this is something that you harp on all the time is like this idea of like doing good in your job. Why like mm -hmm. so many people are like, it's just my job. Like, it's just my day job. I don't need to do good at this. Like, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to get by. I'm just a waiter, whatever. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to do extra work. I'm just a waiter. So I'm going to do the bare minimum not to get fired. 
But Ryan's like, how do I do the best job possible? And then going from living in Bangor, Maine to running a multi-million dollar, you know, the, uh, the fastest growing mobile home park business in the country. I don't know if that's true, but it's got to be probably I think pretty, it is. Yeah. yeah, zero to 1300 units under contract in, you know, three months, whatever it is. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, like very fast. Yeah, very fast. How, how do we get there? Because at every step, he just excelled. So good job. Thanks. Yeah. Ryan, no, and, Ryan do you have advice you can share on how you were able to excel? It's funny because I remember like in the first couple of weeks, I was bored, like looking for things to do to stay yeah. valuable. And I was out raking leaves in the yard. And, <laughs> and David, it was your voice in my head that says, like, if I've got to be a landscaper, I'm going to be the best landscaper I can be. <laughs> like, just keep keep doing it and keep pushing. That's and fine. I mean, that was if you look at what I had done in my business prior to that, like out raking leaves in the yard was. Presumably a step back, yeah. but I knew it was worth the sacrifice to, to move forward uh, light years ahead of where I would have gone otherwise without that opportunity. So yeah, just be the, the absolute best that you can be at whatever task is at hand. One thing I've noticed about you, Ryan, is that even if you're the one raking leaves while Brandon and I are like drinking tea or something, not <laughs> like watching you as the hired hand, there's never a feeling like we're better uh, than Ryan, you. Ryan, right? you missed a spot over there. Throwing stuff yeah, at me and ridiculing exactly. me from... <laughs> Could you keep it down? Could you tell the hired help to be a little more? Yeah, that's never the case. Like when we hang out, it's like we're all three buddies and we're the same. And I just noticed that there's a lot of people that would object to that and say, I'm not going to go rake leaves. I was an executive at whatever. And I know that Ryan didn't have that pride. He was very humble about it. And I don't think there was ever a point where I ever felt like Ryan's any different than me. He just has a different role than what I'm playing. And, and in a different world, I could be the guy who ends up breaking those leaves. I mean, life changes very, very quickly. And I think that's something else that we should commend you for that people should hear is not is having the humility to do what needs to be done, not taking the place of honor, not getting all the attention, which you're now getting because you did do that, but you just executed that perfectly. Like they could probably make a movie about the ascension of Ryan. <laughs> the mercenary. <laughs> yeah. And you're as good looking enough. You could play yourself in the movie, which is, no, even, let's do it. This is yeah. even better. <laughs> Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Your competitors are fighting for your customer's attention. So how do you stand out? Easy. Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Reach new audiences, grow your customer list, sell more, raise more, and fast-track your growth. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business through email and SMS marketing, social media, and even events management. Don't know much about marketing? Don't sweat it, because Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. And with my boot camps and live events, I just don't have the time to clone myself. So I just let Constant Contact do the marketing for me, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with the free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, so now you guys mentioned that your business is growing extremely fast. Often because you have the right, or sorry, not often, but obviously because you have the right people in place. You've got Ryan there and Brandon, two very talented people who both understand. Brandon, you're kind of the visionary. You see what needs to happen. Ryan, you're the executor. You go carry out that plan. And the two of you work very good together. Can you share how your business started, what the vision is for it, what troubles you had, how it grew, where you're at now? I'm, I'm very interested to hear about this growing mobile home park business. I go with the vision. Uh, I mean, I mentioned that a few weeks ago on the Bigger Pockets podcast, the episode that Jay and Carol Scott interviewed my, on the business podcast. But just the quick answer was like, so we had this thing called the Vivid Vision. It's actually on my wall uh, up there um, on, the, on the wall here. But it's basically the idea of like, I knew I wanted a thousand units in three years. That was basically, and it was, I wanted to own $50 million of real estate, a thousand units in three years. And the way I got that was working backwards from what I actually wanted, which was a team of fun people doing meaningful work. I worked backwards from that goal, from that outcome and said, what do I need to justify a team of four or five fun people in Maui hanging out, working hard and having a good time. And then from there I built the the vision and then, you know, obviously a thousand units in three years, we're going to need a bigger goal because like like I said, we're under 1300 years under contract. No, we haven't closed on them all. We may not close on them all. As of the date this comes out, we should have just closed on the 168 unit. We've got a, what are the 260 coming up here in a few weeks, probably to close. Yeah. Uh, And then another, yeah, it'll be 1300 total. If everything closes within the next like three months from now. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's been a pretty meteoric rise. Yeah. And Ryan really is running almost everything. I mean, like, because we're in acquisition. So everything from, He's managing the team of uh, a deal analysis guys we brought in and uh, including uh, we actually just brought in uh, a gentleman named Walker. Uh, what's the last name? 
Meadows. Walker, Walker, yeah, Meadows. of course, Walker yeah. Meadows. So we just brought in Walker Meadows uh, to be kind of our lead, like, uh, you know, everything finance, underwriting related. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, so Ryan runs all of that now. Yeah. And that's kind of the fun thing about bootstrapping a business is it's, it's fun and challenging at the same time is trying to yeah. figure out when and how to pull the trigger on help. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you take it back to the landscaping thing. That was one of the first things that we got removed from my plate, right? As, yeah. as soon as I got busy enough, we yeah. have to rake leaves. I couldn't rake leaves anymore. It wasn't the yeah. highest and best use of my time. Mercifully, yeah. uh, we were able to hire a, a landscaper and get that off my plate. So, you Which just, is why right now there's landscapers working like all around. <laughs> you're going to hear the, the, the yeah. buzzing yeah. in the background. Yeah, but you, so you follow that through the natural progression of building a business where at first it was just kind of me and you and you know we're looking for deals. We're underwriting all the deals. We, like, we would sit in the shed for hours and underwrite deals. Uh, but it got to the point where, okay, we need help doing that because it's keeping yeah. us from doing other things. So we brought in a team of, of underwriters and we brought yes. in a team of acquisitions people and like even giving, even watching their roles evolve. Uh, because if, when you start out and you bootstrap, you only have one or two people. Every additional person you bring in is a just dynamic change to yeah. like the roles and responsibilities where unlike if you have a company with 200 people and you hire one or two more, they don't have that big of an impact. But when you start out with one or two people and every time you add, you know, that second, third, fourth person, like you've got to pretty much reevaluate everybody's roles and responsibilities because you're, you're, you're delegating a lot of this stuff out. Yeah. And, and it's absolutely key that you have the right people to do what it is that you need them to do. So uh, from a, from a skill set level, which I was always more like, we got to hire for skill. We got to hire for skill. Brandon was always more of a, we got to hire for personality. And I'm, I'm definitely leaning your way now because we've had people that were skilled that just weren't a good fit. And I'm now seeing that like personality plays way more into it than I thought, because the, the people on our team now, I absolutely love working with them. They do a great job. Uh, they exceed expectations every time. And yeah. like every time we've added one of those team members, it was like, it's like pulling the, the drain out of, uh, out of a sink. You just, just like all the stress yeah. and like the million things mm -hmm. that I would have yeah. to do or that you would have to do. It's like, that's just gone because now you're delegating to, to other people. Yeah. You know, Brandon, I heard you one time quote Mark Cuban and you actually gave him credit for it, which I will give you credit for doing <laughs> that <laughs> business is a sport and that's why you like it. And yeah. as you were talking, Ryan, what I was thinking is that most of us, when we're new, we tend to only focus on the skill aspect of business. Are you good at your job? But there's actually an entire new dimension to it. That is, can you hire other people to do it? Which is very, very tricky. It's it, to, to me, it's like four or five times harder than even just being good at the job. And it's very similar to an athlete who's mastered one part of their sport, but if they can't do something else, then there's a weakness and they can't win. The, the defense can stop them. And that's what it made me think about. And the other thing I thought about is how with a new business, like what you guys are describing, the growth is a lot like the process of mitosis in a cell. You have one person that does everything. Then you bring in a Ryan and now that splits into two people that do everything. And then Ryan's job becomes overwhelming and he splits into two more as you leverage off landscaping and other things. And as long as every split is a good hire, you can continue to grow and you can even grow rapidly. But one bad hire stops everything because then you got to stop, get rid of that person, fix all the mistakes that they made, put a new person in there, let them get up to speed. I mean, when you're in the, pr the process of trying to grow a business, all you think about is why do people suck? Why can't people just not suck? Because it's so much easier if they wouldn't. And like, that's why I'm commending you, Ryan, because you were the guy that didn't suck and look how quickly things shot off for you. Can you share some of the struggles that you guys have had as far as your scaling? Cause you don't really sound like you're stressed or overwhelmed. I would imagine with the, the pace that you're growing at, there's gotta be a lot of worry. Yeah. If we had done this podcast, maybe six or eight weeks ago, it would have been a very different me. I think yeah. sitting in this chair, but we've, we've been able to, you know, to, to bring out some, some quality help and get some systems in place that we were lacking. And I think 
part of that is just not knowing what we wanted. I mean, our yeah. initial focus on the mobile home parks, our net was way too wide. Yeah, uh, we, we just didn't know. Like we, we weren't sure what to expect and what we could find for deals. But what we found quickly is that we were just overrun because we were casting too wide of a net. So we had to mm. continue to refine those criteria to the point where it was almost it was just much easier to make an automatic yes or no. This is a deal we want to pursue yeah. or not. Where before there was just way too much ambiguity. Like there were specifics like like what we were originally looking for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we were like, yeah, because we, we, again, we really didn't know how hard it was going to be to find deals. So we're looking at everything. So like some of the things that we have now that used to be uh, kind of negotiable and maybe we'll pursue this park, maybe we won't are now like a hard yes and a hard no. Uh, initially, we were looking at, at parks with private utility. So wells yeah. and septics, we weren't crazy about them, preferred not to have them, but we were still underwriting those and, and going yeah. through. Uh, we've gotten to the point now where if like if there's private utilities, we don't even want to take a look at it. It's an automatic. No. Yeah. Do we perhaps pass up some good deals? Yeah. Maybe we're going to miss one or two, but like the, the amount of time that it took analyzing and underwriting bad deals, it was just, just wasn't worth it. Anymore. We had, we had to cut those things loose. So uh, stuff like private utilities are an automatic. No, uh, we're looking at specific population criteria in the MSA. So we want what a hundred and something thousand yeah, people within 10 miles, yeah. uh, minimum percentage of park owned homes, uh, we want some vacant lots, but no more than like 30% because that causes uh, complications with financing and infill. So we've really tightened our criteria from from like just we'll look at anything to now there's like five or six hard stops on something that we will just we'll, we'll just cast aside. And that's so hard to not. It's so hard to like reject a deal that might be good. Like yeah. we're looking at these deals. I'm like, oh, it's only got 48 units. But man, the numbers look so yeah. like we yeah. just what I learned is like the opportunity cost of even looking at those deals yes. is not worth yeah. the fact that we probably would get a deal occasionally. So it's better to have the really strict criteria and know exactly what we want. Cause we talked about this on other shows too. Like now that like every major broker in the country on mobile home parks, like we want them all to know, Oh yeah, that's an open door capital deal because it's got 125 units. It's got, it's in this MSA. Okay. It's got this vacancy. That's perfect for open door capital. And so they're going to, shove it to us because we're just known as that type. And we were like, Oh, we'll take anything. And then we're rejecting yeah. it like all over the place, all over the place. Yeah. Well, let's look at like the foreshadowing of how you two even met. It was because Brandon was very specific about what he wants. 50 units, public city, public, yeah, city, public water, public store, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. Right. And that is what stuck in Ryan's mind. And I think that there's a lesson to be learned from that is that FOMO, the fear of missing out that if I turn, turn away a deal and I don't look at, it, I could miss the deal of the century. It's, it's almost like having a lack of faith. And it will always come back to bite you. You have to have the faith that I know what I'm looking for. There's plenty to go around. Yeah. I need a smaller filter and the right one will, will come to me. Yeah. All right. So can you guys break down who's in charge of what, as far as your company right now, what are the different roles people are playing? Uh, Brandon's role is to come up with all kinds of ideas. My role <laughs> is to pretty much say no to all of them. Yes. That's, so that's, 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 that's oh, it, man. man. All over again. It's like, I, I come up with the ideas yeah. and Josh is like, no, yeah, no I come up with the idea. Josh no, says no. no. Uh, which by the way is I actually, I spoke on this at the bigger pockets yeah. conference, the BP con 2019 that we were at. I mentioned like the skill of saying no is such a valuable skill yeah. because most people say yes on default. Uh, saying no on default is actually a better option. So like the other day we were looking at this property, like a block from my house. It's a vacant lot with a little house attached to it. And we, it's a perfect development. I mean, it's a, potentially $200,000 profit development deal. And I'm like, Ryan, let's just do it. And his answer was, 
No, <laughs> like, no, we're not no. Gonna, I'm like, but look, no. there would be no work at all. We just bring in a, a general contractor. They handle the whole thing. He's just like, no. Yeah. See, that's the other key. So it's a very strange dynamic because Brandon, you just heard him say it. It'll be no work at all. Yeah. Where Brandon <laughs> said, oh, no work at all. This will take five minutes. No big deal. Yes. And I'm in my mind think, thinking, this is like an eight month full-time project for three guys. Yeah. So the truth is somewhere in the middle there yeah. likely, but Brandon's like, oh, no time. This will cost like five bucks, five minutes. And I'm like, yeah, no, we, no, this is not even close to that. This is going to drag on forever. So like, it, like I said, it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic of like the balance of you firing off idea after idea after idea, some of which are actually brilliant. A lot of them are, are not. And I like I don't have any of those ideas. Like I am not good at coming up with those ideas, but I think I'm good at filtering those and putting on some sort of like realistic. Can can we do this or, or can we not? I think yeah. you guys have talked about on the show before. Was it Steve Jobs or whatever? Like they, he would say no to yeah everything like great ideas, but yeah. you just can't do everything. You've got to pick your path and like stay focused on that or else you just scatter it all over the place. Yeah. And, and to go into the, the company structure a little bit. So there's a book called traction. I don't know. David, have you read traction yet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So traction talks a lot about this idea of defining every role in your company. And this is not like just traction. I mean, a lot of people talk about this, but define the role, not the people. So when I made my vivid vision thing on the wall, like I actually at the bottom of it, I didn't actually print it on the thing, but like I actually defined what the company would look like. So there would be a CEO, like that would be me. That's my role as visionary. There would be an asset manager. They're in charge of managing the asset. There would be a, a finance person in charge of all, like basically a CFO kind of character. There would be an acquisitions person. Uh, under the acquisitions person, there would be an analysis person because that's part of that. Uh, there would also be a salesperson that's in charge of like cold calling. So I had all these roles specified and now we're just plugging people into them yeah. and we're changing a little bit but yeah by, i'm pretty much yeah there. we're starting to get some real structure so it's yeah. uh, you obviously as the ceo i'm yeah. beneath that and then i oversee walker meadows and mike who are our uh, underwriters and, and yeah. investor relations people yep. and then we've got brian murray as our uh, asset other manager. asset manager so i mean my goal is to keep as much off brandon's plate at this point <laughs> as possible for, for a variety of reasons most of them good uh but so i'll try to deal with anything i can internally with with our team uh, with Brian Walker and Mike, uh, and only bring you the higher level stuff that we really need your input on. So I try to insulate Brandon from as much as possible because he's got a million other things he's doing. He's doing podcasts, he's raising money. Like he has his his role. He doesn't yeah. need to get bogged down in the minutia of of the day to day business. So uh, and my job right now is raising money. I mean, pretty much that's what I like. Even though like Mike is our investor, Mike Williams, by the way, shout out yeah. to Mike Williams. Uh, Mike is awesome, but he's our investor relations. So he takes it from there, but it's my job with my Instagram with, uh, you know, going to speak places. Like my job is to talk about the business so I can raise money from a credit investor. So that's what I do. Yeah. And if I've got any problems that I just can't overcome for a variety of reasons, or, you know, it's a, it's a super high level decision that, yeah, only then will I, will I bring it to, to Brandon, uh, for, for some input. And hopefully that's a quick, quick conversation. This is where we're at. Yes or no. And onward we go. Ryan, I'm telling you, if you had a twin brother, if you could clone yourself, I would pay you so much money. I mean, I would never steal you from Brandon, but like just what you're describing is literally what we dream about having in our lives as someone that has that mindset. I want to take as much off the plate of the CEO as I can. And if I have to go to him, it will only be, I will have everything lined up. It will be a very quick conversation. I just need to know this or that. And then I'm going to go execute it. What we find as business owners is that most people say, tell me what to do. What should I do? And they run to the CEO to say, or, or, you know, whoever, maybe not the CEO, but the decision maker with every single thing, because they don't want to stop and Google something. They don't want to make a phone call to someone else and say, what would you do in this situation? Right? What you want to be is the guy that goes to the CEO and says, Hey, I've talked to these three people. This is the common theme that comes up with all of them. Are you okay with us making this decision rather than what should I do? And the CEO says, go call these three people. You come back. Here's what they said. 
that's the problem. And if people could adopt the mindset that Ryan has, they'd become very wealthy very quickly because there's just not a lot of that in the world. I mean, I'm definitely looking for my own Ryan Murdoch. I'm looking all the time. I've been struggling trying to find that. But you see when the two of you get together, like that magic happens, boom, you guys are doing really good. Yeah, they, call that rocket, they call it rocket fuel, right? When the integrator and the visionary line together, there's a phrase, uh, the guys who wrote Traction wrote a book called Rocket Fuel. And that's what it is. Like when, when Josh Dorkin and I got together Bigger Pockets, it was rocket fuel. Like when, because I, at, at that time, Josh mm. was a visionary, I was the integrator. And when you bring those two parts together, it's rocket fuel. And when you bring us together, I've shifted roles now to more visionary. Uh, but yeah, very interesting. Sorry. That's I'm, absolutely. No, no. I think that's a great point that that's what like, because when people are picking a partner, like you said, they usually pick somebody who's just, just like, like them, them. Yeah. or they're doing it for emotional reasons. I'm scared. I don't want to do this on my own. You're going to give away 50% to someone you don't know why, because it's easier to just not, nobody likes to take the jump alone. My buddy, Daniel Del Real says yeah. that all the time. On that note, and we then, should... Uh, not to lead the conversation that you're leading, but we should talk about Brian Murray. Cause yeah, it's such I was gonna a, say, yeah, we need to, that's we a good segue that. from that point. Like, yeah. like, well, why don't we do that? Tell me like, what role is Brian playing and how is that helping your business? I mean, officially he's an asset manager, yeah. but really right. he's like rocket fuel squared. Yeah. Know. And that's, a, <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting right. story because there was some hesitation on your part and my yeah. part to bring in another partner, right? Yeah. I mean, equity is valuable. So you don't yeah. want to give away any more than you absolutely have to, but there does come a point and this has proven itself clearly yeah. that the uh, sacrifice and equity to bring Brian Murray on as a partner uh, is paying off, you know, tenfold already in overall deal experience. Like the skills that he has and his strengths are ones that still Brandon and I are lacking. So he's that third piece of, of, of the puzzle yeah. that, you know, he, he brings just a, a wealth of experience in this sort of syndication and these sort of deals at this, that this magnitude uh, that neither you or I had, we understand, you know, yeah. how it works, but he brings a certain level of, of credibility, expertise, and experience that I know I've certainly leaned on a ton. Uh, I, I, you know, you, you've had many yeah. conversations with him, many, bouncing yeah. ideas back and forth, and he's just been been solid. I, and there's no way that we would be where we are right now today yeah, with, the, with no the volume of parks without his input and influence. No chance. And this is that whole idea of like, you are the average of the people you associate with. Like when we got around Brian, like Brian does big deals. He owns I mean, tens of millions of dollars in real estate. Like, yeah. I don't know, like, he, he wrote the book on crushing, crushing in commercial real estate, one of the biggest real estate books out there. Uh, he was on an episode, by the way, those people looking, uh, episode number 126 of the Bigger Pockets podcast and episode 212. But we met him out here. Like, we, I invited him out because I just knew him, he was a cool guy. We invited him out for this mastermind thing that we did last year. A lot of you guys heard about it. Uh, it was like the most incredible, like, four days we've ever done. It was, yeah. it was unbelievable. But anyway, we invited like 20 people out here, had like a few days of just unbelievable masterminding and like fun stuff. And Brian was part of that. And, uh, David decided to go to Atlanta instead of coming to my, you know, he wanted to be on CNN (laughs) instead, whatever. So, so Brian comes out here and like, here's a great example. I'll tell a quick story. And I might've mentioned this, uh, in the other episode that I did with the vivid vision, but if not, I'll say it again here, this idea of like, or Brian asked a simple question during that time. So are you going to put a waterfall into your, into your syndication? And I didn't know what a waterfall, I mean, I knew what it was, but I didn't, it basically never given any thought. I never given any thought because I was like, this is hard. This is complicated. I'm not going to do it. And in a five minute conversation with Brian, he's like, well, you know, like, and he kind of explained like a waterfall is basically a way of, of when you split a deal with like limited partners, when you're raising money from limited partners, that, that it changes the equity split changes, the better the investment does. So the better the deal goes, the more money that the G the general partners make. Uh, and so that's why, you know, in a five minute conversation with Brian, 
we decided to add a waterfall in. Yeah. It actually incentivizes us to do a better deal into the thing. But I would never have done that had Brian not pushed me on that. And those happen over and over and over and over. I'm pretty sure that conversation happened on surfboards too, didn't it? I think so. Yeah. We probably were on a surfboard when we talked about this. But uh, that whole idea is just like further evidence why like you need to get around people, obviously, that are just like way higher level, even if it means like going to work for them. You know, like, I mean... I, I won't, Brian will probably hear this, but like if Brian like asked me to like work for him, like I probably would have been like, I'm not sure I would have done it necessarily, but like that would have been a smart move. So like if you're listening to this podcast and you're brand new to real estate, like go find somebody to work with or work for intern for yeah. get their dry cleaning for doesn't matter. Get around people who are going to push you. It's like you can, you can walk your way to the next level and try to get to the next level by yourself, or you can just get around somebody who's already there and they just, they just pull you to that level. Like they'll pull you up there just naturally. Yeah. 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 The other big part of that too is, is just staying engaged. Like, yeah. you know, for me to get from where I was to sitting here now in Maui, I didn't do anything magnificent. Like there was no, like it wasn't smart. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything that anybody else couldn't do, but I, I stayed engaged. So yeah. like I got on that plane and I flew to New York randomly to go hang out at a real estate meetup because yeah. you were there. I, sent you that email or I went to the meetup back in Bangor to, to meet the guy who had the mobile home park that was for sale. I sent you that email with, with that park in it. So all those little pieces, like none of those are difficult or something that anybody else can do, but just staying engaged. So yeah. like keep your name out there. Don't be annoying and like send fanboy <laughs> emails all the time, but like try to add value to people's lives and, and keep yourself in front of as many people that you think that could positively influence your life as possible. And, and anybody can do that. I mean, anybody get off your couch, go to a meetup. Like, Stay engaged on the forums. Like just, just stay engaged. Get off the couch and go to a meetup. Yeah. Ryan Murdoch. Yeah. That's it. That's a quote right there. Do it. And you gave credit to Ryan. You are coming along so well, Brendan. <laughs> those, uh, those like those uh, meetings that you've been going to have really thank helped. You, thank you. I'm, I'm progressing through life here. I'm going to get a quote. Uh, I'll get a uh, picture on my wall. It just says, you know, that quote. And then, you know, Ryan Murdoch, Brandon Turner. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's great advice. And I think this is a good time to move along to the, Deal, Deal deep dive. deep dive. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon. I want to take a quick break from this podcast to invite you to this week's webinar, How a Newbie, meaning a new real estate investor, can start building wealth through real estate. Because look, when you're beginning to invest in real estate, it can feel overwhelming, right? Where do you go? What should you do? What should you buy? I don't wanna make any mistakes, right? That's why this is a must attend event. Look, if you have fewer than five properties, do not miss this. You're gonna learn the different strategies and niches you can take, some of the common mistakes that investors make, some of the best and worst strategies for new investors, and a whole lot more. We're even gonna be looking for a real life deal on the market together. We're gonna run the numbers and find out how much we should pay for it and how much we'll make if we buy it. It's going to be a ton of fun, super helpful. Again, if you have less than five properties, you better be there. Biggerpockets.com slash newbie webinar. Again, biggerpockets.com slash newbie, N-E-W-B-I-E webinar. I'll see you there. All right. So it is time for that part of the show where we will dive deep into one specific deal with our guest slash guests. So Ryan, do you have one in mind? Yeah, I think we'll keep going with that mobile home park. All right. We'll do that one. one. The one in Maine. The handle one. Yeah. So we've already uh, talked about kind of how we found it. But I guess we can go over some of the numbers. Sure. Yeah. Do, you want me, do you want to do this alone, David? You want me to ask the normal questions that I ask? No, I want you to go in it with me. All right, we'll do it together. We're going to deal deep dive together. Hey, Ryan, what kind of property is this? This is a mobile home park. And how many units were it when we bought it? It was, it's owned for 50 lots, but I think there were 46 
functional lots. A lot of those were vacant or yeah. uh, contained homes that needed to be destroyed, but yeah. uh, 46 functional lots. Yeah. And I think there was like 42 that were like good homes. And then there were what, 12 vacancies. Remember that? Yeah. There were 12 vacant ones. I think there was like 30 ish. Yes. That were there. They were actually functional. Yeah. Out of like 50 zone, there were 30 that were yeah. like, yes, actually right. rented or sold yeah. at the time. Okay. And you found this at a meetup you were at, right? Right. And you heard someone talking about it. Yep. Yep. So that was a, a local meetup that an investor uh, had put on. And, and this investor, this is another good tidbit for somebody is like this investor had, he didn't even own any property. So he wasn't really technically an investor. He was just a, he was a guy who wanted to get into investing, didn't know what to do. There wasn't a local meetup in our town. So he hosted one in his living room. Like that's funny. Yeah. And like all of us, other investors in, in town had kind of been like kicking around the idea of, of doing a meetup and you know, should we do it? How should we do it? Like analysis paralysis on the meetup. Like, yeah. where is it? Who do we have speak? How do we you know, put this together where this guy just comes out of the blue and just has a meetup in his living room. And it was a great meetup and it's still going on. That was what a year and a half, almost two years ago. And it's still a monthly meetup. It's grown. It's, you know, he doesn't have it in his living room anymore. It's at a, <laughs> at a public place. He has a speaker uh, That's cool. come every time, but it was great. So uh, I found the mobile home park there. And I also found a uh, seven unit that I ended up closing on a few months afterwards. So just in that one meetup and that guy's living room, I, I got two great deals out of it. That's cool. All right. How much was the property? I think it was what, 1.1 million. I, I think, think that's what it was. Thereabouts. Uh, I think he was asking originally more than that, right? 1.2. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, 1.2. We settled on 1. We're just under 1.1. 1. 1. Yeah. And then uh, during due diligence, when that day you and I walked through, we found a lot of, a lot more homes that were vacant and in much worse repair than we had anticipated. Yeah. So we were able to go back and negotiate a seller credit at closing. Yeah, uh, to deal with some of those vacant homes. Yeah, and it was like a hundred and something thousand. It was one hundred and forty, one hundred sixty thousand. Yeah, credit, credit at and at closing to deal with. You know, yeah. what I think were twelve mobile homes that either need to be destroyed or completely re- renovated. They were bad. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, and then how did you negotiate that? Back and forth, and Brandon really kind of took the lead on on coming up with the different negotiations. You used your your patented. Uh, <laughs> Three option the plan. Three option yeah, offer. And I, yeah. yeah. And I don't remember what the different things were, but there were three, you presented three options to the seller, which I know was like right out of your playbook. It's, it's all grande venti. Yeah, no, but not to make somebody feel like they either need to take it or leave it. Here's three options that work for us. Which one of those three works for yeah. you? It gets people thinking which one versus yes yeah. or no. Yeah. yeah. Because you don't always know like somebody's complete situation where like one of those may be way more advantageous to them yeah. than another one. And they're all good for us. Right. I mean, we, we yeah. offered on all three of them. We, we made all three offers. So uh, he picked one and we went with it and, and it turned out being he was going to sell or finance 80 percent of the purchase for what 20 or 25 years yep. uh, at a pretty attractive fixed interest rate uh so we, we didn't have to involve a bank which is great especially uh in the mobile home park space especially in a value add mobile home park uh with a lot of park on homes those are typically tough to finance through a bank so we were able yeah. to avoid that altogether yeah yeah shout out to ed yeah young guy ed young ed sorry ed. <laughs> young ed. apparently once i said old guy we bought a mobile home park from an older guy. I think yeah. I said older guy. Yeah. What I meant was older than me. But right. anyway, he gives me a hard time every time I talk yeah, to so him. Now. Young, young buck. <laughs> young buck Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, it's my question. How Your did you turn. fund it? How did we how did we fund this, Ryan? Well, I guess we kind of went over that already. But, uh, seller financing on 80% of it. And then the down payment and the reserves and the renovation costs were raised uh, among a little bit from me, but mostly from you and a bigger part, Mindy. Mindy and Carl, yeah. Yeah, who were yeah. using what? Self-directed IRA or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, their retirement account did it. Yeah. Cool. All right. What did you guys end up doing with this park? Uh, so we uh, renovated, I think, eight of the homes. We trashed three or four of them. Like they were just beyond repair. So we had to smash them up. And then 
Uh, yeah, Ryan literally went over there and helped yeah, smash, smash them into with heavy equipment, yeah, stuffed them into a hand. dumpster and, and got them out of there. <laughs> so that was kind of my uh, job while I was there in Maine on site for the first year or so. But when I moved to Maui, that posed a bit of a problem that I was no longer the like the asset manager for that park. So we ended up uh, hiring another guy to take that role. Uh, was a guy I met on Bigger Pockets. His name is Tristan Thomas. Uh, super good guy who specializes primarily in, in mobile homes. So he's got, I think he has a mobile home park of his own, but he does a lot of just fixing and flipping mobile homes. So he was like the perfect guy who was already plugged into like that area's network of wheeling and dealing mobile homes. So we tapped him and his expertise to fill out uh, the remaining vacant lots in that park. And it was just uh, two weeks ago that he finally purchased the last mobile home that we needed to fill the last vacant lot in in that park, which I thought was incredible, uh, especially with the short seasons in Maine. Like you only have the summertime to actually move these things. You're not doing it in the winter. Uh, I think there were eight to fill this year. And I was thinking to myself, there's no way that he's going to be able to pull that off. Yeah, in one summer. This is going to be two years at least. And he did it. He got all, all the, the last eight vacant lots filled yeah. and, and we're at capacity now. So yeah, it's, it, was, it was a huge accomplishment. All right. Uh, outcome. So let's talk about like we, I mean, NOI went from what? 12K to yeah, I remember. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but the gross, gross income when yeah. we bought the park, I think, was right around ten or twelve grand a month, and now it's at about twenty five thousand a month. So yeah, I don't know crazy. what that boils down to for NOI, but substantially better than, yeah. than, than it was when we took over. Yeah, with not many more. Like the cool thing about mobile home parks, I think one of the things that attracted me and you to them yeah. is that when you infill these these properties, you can add all this income, but there's no real additional expense. Yeah, very minimal expense. Yeah, added. very minimal additional expense to that. The management costs a little bit, yep. but like the water bill, they're paying their own water at this place. They're paying their own yep. garbage, right? Or we yep. pay garbage. Uh, we pay garbage. Okay, but, but they're yeah, paying water. It's negligible. Yeah, but they're paying yeah. their own, all their own utilities aside from garbage. So the, the water submetered, they're paying their own electric. Uh, they're paying their own heating fuel. Yeah. Uh, all of that. They're taking care of their own lawns and, and shoveling their own driveways. So we don't have to deal with, with any of that. Yeah, there's a term when I was out there like raising money for the the fund that we just closed on, like we call it a cash growth fund because like what mobile home parks can do is they can provide really good cash flow because of the like one, they're just like they provide good cash flow just because they're mobile home parks. Uh, but they also have the ability to grow even in spite of a recession. If we hit a recession, like we can still add more units in and the people will still want to live in mobile home parks. So it's just the lowest, the cheapest housing you have in America, pretty much other than homeless. And so people still want to live there. So it's cash flow now, growth yep. later, but it's not growth dependent upon the market. So right. like the cash growth is the new term we're inventing. Yeah, so it's very, resi- it's very recession, recession resistant. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So, yeah. All right. Last question. What lessons did you guys learn from this deal? I don't know how many times I have to go through this to learn this lesson, but always, always budget more than you think you're going to need yeah. for improvements. So yeah. like repairs, overhauls, renovation, it always costs more than you think it's going to. And we've certainly gotten better with that, but every time, I mean, I don't care what size the project is, there's always a surprise. So you've got to make sure you, you adequately account for that. Uh, whether it's going through your numbers and just tacking on an extra 20% or whatever it's yeah. going to be, but you want to, you want to have an extra slush fund above and beyond what you think you're going to need because you will need it. Yeah. Very good. Luckily we had that. We, we were very well funded and we're able to, you know, uh, handle those surprises without any serious ill effect. But if we, if we weren't well funded, we would have had a problem. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that was the deal deep dive. Now let's head over to the fire round. It's time for the fire round. This is the part of the show where we fire a bunch of questions from the Bigger Pockets forums at you freely. Uh, number one. <laughs> this scares me. Dan, 
whenever someone asks you, Dan from Charlotte, North Carolina, when someone asks you, what do you do in real estate? What's your elevator pitch? I don't have one. And that's something I've been trying to work on. Like I can't explain what I do because it's so many different things. And yeah. I've said to myself so many times, like I need to come up with a 10 second thing. And I yeah. usually just stare blankly and say, well, I'm, in, I'm in real estate, you know, like, yeah, no, it depends way. on the day. I mean, right now it's, it's like we're investing in mobile home parks all across the country yeah. uh, and doing value add, but yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know. I actually like saying that the, the, not that you asked me, but I'll answer the question. I like saying I actually buy trailer parks and I like to say the word trailer yeah. park. Cause instead of mobile home park, when I'm using with investors, whatever, I say mobile home parks. Yeah. Depends on the audience. But a random, yeah. Random person. Yeah. I say, I actually buy trailer parks. Yeah. It's a great conversation. Yes. Everyone goes, wait, yeah. what? Yeah. You, you, seen, you, tra- yeah. you seen trailer park boys. That's exactly what we do. Yes. Like, so no, it depends you on say the that explains the beard. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but it's a great conversation starter. And because like every conversation, like for me anyway, leads to how can we like, potentially, uh, you know, can this person, we work with them someday, they work with us someday. Can we help them? Can they help us? Like everything's like a, so like when I say we buy trailer parks, like it gives the opportunity for well, what does that mean? Well, here's why we do it. And then I can, you know, maybe there's a way they can help me. Maybe yeah. they want to invest in my fund. Maybe they, I want to, you know, hire them someday down the road to do something. Who knows? Yeah. And it's surprising when you tell people that like the initial chuckle and like yeah. trailer parks, but then within a very short period of time, they're usually quite yeah. fascinated yeah. with how it works and what you're doing. And yeah. All you have to explain is we just own land yeah. and people who own their own houses yeah. live on our land and pay us money and they do their own repairs and yeah. maintenance. And you see their wheels turning and then yeah. they and like, like three or four more questions. Yeah. yeah. They're like, really? Yeah. yeah it's funny. So it's always a fun conversation. To have. Yeah. Which is not really quite as easy as just we own land, obviously, yeah. but yeah. there's a little bit, a little bit of work involved there. All right. Uh, all right. Question number two. This is from Herm in Northern California. Do you prefer Home Depot or Lowe's? Any tips on getting supplies at either of them? Uh, Lowe's, hands down. I just like blue more than orange. <laughs> as simple as that. No, I don't know. I've just always been a Lowe's guy. It was. It's always like wherever I had been working, Lowe's just was closer than Home Depot. So I always just went there and just got accustomed to it. I'm a creature of habit. Uh, if I have any mm-hmm. big ticket items, I will shop usually both stores, but I've always just had a commercial account with Lowe's and better discounts and just a better relationship with, with those people. But, uh, either or, I mean, I wouldn't fault anybody one way or the other. Yeah. Personal preference. Uh, I've always been a home Depot person cause we didn't have a Lowe's in Grace Harbor. Uh, now that we have a Lowe's here, Lowe's is a newer property and easier to get in and out of. So I go to Lowe's more often. It's not even like, like sometimes I find better stuff at one versus the other cause yep. they do have different stuff, but Lowe's is just a lot easier to get in their parking lot than yep. the home people is. So I go to Lowe's. It's yep. actually a good lesson for anybody in retail through the lumber yard. Yeah. And you can drive inside the lumber yard and stay out of the, well, that's not, it rains up there a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Nobody's asking through. me, but I'll say I hate Please. both of them. I really, Brandon and I joke about this when I visit him in Hawaii, he always wants to go walk through Home Depot and I hate that place. I hate the smell of fertilizer. I hate that there's nowhere to sit down. I hate the wide open aisles full of just nothing that I'm interested in at all. I hate that you can never find someone when you need something. I mean, there's a lot of places about those stores I don't like, but Brandon is like a kid in a candy store. I love that place. I I will just walk through when I'm bored and just walk through it. You do. And it's so, you're a weirdo, man. I I don't get that. You never know when you might stumble on a deal, David. You never know. Uh Yeah. Those clearance things at the end caps. We we always buy all seven of these sinks because you never know when we're going to use them. Yeah. All right. Jessica Todd asked, hey, all in my four place, I got a tenant with two large flags draped over a second floor balcony, both very clearly expressing his viewpoint on certain topics. I've received two complaints regarding one of the flags. They feel the large size makes it seem his viewpoints represent the entire building. While they don't bother me, I want all my tenants to feel comfortable in their home. I don't have anything expressly written in my lease against that. And I worry if I ask them to remove one or both, it'll be a violation of the tenant's freedom of speech. Yeah. Any recommendations? Yeah, it's time to update your lease. I always had in my leases no signage or political flags of any kind. Uh, I think we'd allow like an American flag, but no other signage because it just opens a can of worms. It has nothing to do with 
like, do I believe your political stance over somebody else's? It always causes problems. So yeah. it's just a good blanket statement. No signage of any sort yep. in your apartment at all. Yeah, we we have like no yeah no sheets in the windows, yeah. no like yeah. signs outside your yeah. Like, yep. So yeah, easy yeah. way to do it. So write out the rest of your lease if you're in a lease with somebody, and then your next lease when you update it, make sure that's in there. There you go. Nice. Yeah, we're seeing right. that. We should probably get your flag down from. Uh, <laughs> My Bernie sign. <laughs> you got a 40 foot picture of Bernie Sanders hanging out in the back, but yeah, yeah. I have a Trump sign and a Bernie sign. Just yeah, keep just, everybody guessing. Just, yeah. <laughs> keep them on their toes. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last question from Tim Swedberg. I'm in a bit of a rut. So my question is this, what motivates you to stick with real estate investing? How do you push through the cruddy parts? Great question. Yeah. Cause there's no shortage of, of cruddy parts. I just don't know what else I would do that would, afford me this kind of lifestyle. I'm not college educated. I'm not super intelligent. I'm, I'm not very creative. Ryan's very intelligent. So I don't, yeah, but I don't know what I would, I don't know what I would do that would allow me to have the, the lifestyle and the freedom that I have now. So that like keeps me motivated and kept me motivated for, you know, the 10 years of hell in building my business and down in the trenches of just, you know, bottom of the barrel property management, just yeah. misery was that, okay, this is still, my best opportunity to get to the life I want. And it's like finally, that. finally now paying so, off. So just set the bar extremely low and then the cruddy parts don't seem so cruddy. Welcome that's to my what, life, Dave. <laughs> that's probably good dating advice as well. If you think about it. <laughs> my friend, always right there at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> my friend, I was going to say, if you can't reach your goal, just lower your standards. Yeah. That was that's his exactly advice. Right. Yeah. Lower your standard and raise your average. Yeah. I had a buddy that used to say that yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. Drink another beer. You'll be good. Brandon, any, any advice from you that isn't horrible like what we're saying right now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just you, you have to hear the stories of people who have got through the muck and i think that helps a lot so i think people like i think it seeing people having people see us i mean like sometimes i feel like i'm showing off like hey i'm in maui here and i got this cool like you know we surf and we you know bodyboard and all that stuff but like i hope people look at that not as brennan and ryan are showing off their cool stuff but like this is what's possible if you can get through the muck motivational yeah if you can get through it this is what's possible and it's not that we don't work it's just that we also like haven't been able to do the lifestyle that we want now because of the real estate so it's worth it Stick through it, people. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan, Beautiful. I mean, anything you want to add to that, David? That's a good question. Um, I would say that's why I'm a systems guy because every time something goes wrong, I go in and I change the system so that either it won't go wrong the next time yeah. or we prepare for that to happen. So we try to cut it off before it comes. And that's why I'm so encouraged because every time you get that, this sucks, you then go back and say, where could I have prepared for this to prevent it from happening? Tweak your system. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And then the next time you go through it, you're not as worried about it. That's why David's so smart. That's why he's yep. hosting this thing today. Exactly. He gets it. Yeah, but but it doesn't matter how smart you are if you don't have that rocket fuel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, somebody come be the rocket fuel to David. All right, moving on to the next segment of the show. It's time for our famous four. The part of the show where we ask every guest every week the same four questions. We asked you this last time. We're going to fire at you again. But before we do, let's hear from Jay Scott on what's going on this week on the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. Hey there, Brandon and podcast listeners. This is Jay Scott, your host of the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. This week on the Business Podcast, we've got entrepreneur Andy Seth. We have a great conversation talking about everything from using your business to improve the social good to 90s hip hop and everything in between. We also talk about meditation, mindfulness, and how we can overcome our ego to improve our entrepreneurial success. So tune in this week on the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. And now back to your famous four. All right. Listen to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. Make sure you y'all subscribe to their show. All right. 
Favorite real estate related book, Ryan. Favorite book. Uh, I'm going to exclude present company because right. you guys, you guys books are great. But Thanks. what I just read was uh, I was actually, I'll give another shout out to Brian Murray. I just read yeah. his book, uh, crushing it in environments and commercial real estate. That's what the, yeah, yeah. yeah it's I a, missed, yeah, it truly it. is a fantastic book. If you're interested in commercial real estate, uh, because it's a, it's just a, I don't know. I tend to gravitate more towards no nonsense, like, no fluff. Like I want, yeah. if somebody just write an instruction manual for me to do stuff, that, yeah. that's what I want. But so Brand, uh, Brian's book is similar to that, but he does have stories in there that are not just like tangent stories, but they're great examples of the point that he's trying to make. So I listened to that. It was funny because I listened to that on my trek across Northern Minnesota, where it's like <laughs> just five hours of straight driving and it was like on no sleep. So listening to that book, it was enough to keep me awake and keep me engaged. Uh, but it was, I found it funny because the only time I had to hit pause on that was when I was taking calls from Brian Murray. Yeah. So uh, it was pretty funny, funny to like, oh, wait, I, I got to stop Brian Murray to talk to Brian Murray. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, David, I haven't read your book yet, but if you uh, would agree to check in with me after like every three chapters and summarize <laughs> just with call some personal input, I would, I would love to. <laughs> I you think know, if you just hang another, out with me long enough, you'll hear. Another road trip. But uh, yeah, no, that, Brian's book is fantastic. I recommend it to, to everybody. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Can you explain real quick why you were driving through Minnesota on a, like, like that whole story is kind of cool. Yeah, it was a whirlwind. So that was after I left BPCon. That was kind of a last minute deviation in my flight home, which was originally going to be with you. But we decided to ship me up north uh, to go on a couple of scouting trips for uh, two mobile home parks that we were going to. They were in the midst of making an offer on. And for a couple of reasons, we decided it was good for for somebody on the team to go there. Uh, number one, so that we can lay eyes on it and make sure, because you never really know, like yeah. you can read the OM, you can do Google Street View and you can do all that stuff. But until you actually set foot and walk the park, you don't know for sure, like the real feel of it and, yeah. and if you're going to like it. So it was important for us. And it's also important, I think, uh, for the seller to see that somebody from our team had actually set foot on the property. I mean, yeah. I remember back in doing property management, I wouldn't even rent an apartment to a prospective tenant sight unseen because yeah. you, you never know yeah. uh, for good or bad. Like they have certain expectations and that they see from the pictures that they just, they think about in their mind, but when they show up, it's not what they want. Like that doesn't help anybody because then they're trying to get out of it. You've already you know, committed to them and turned other people away. So it's the same thing with looking at properties and on a bigger scale, these mobile home parks we're looking at even more critical that we have a good handle on what we're offering on. And that the seller knows that we've yeah. got a good handle on what we're offering on. I think it makes, makes the offer more competitive when we, when we submit it. Yeah. Just going that extra mile when you're going to make an offer for somebody like how, like whether it's a huge commercial deal, or you're trying to buy your first duplex. Like how can you add something yeah. that makes the seller go, Oh, that person's legit or that yeah. person, I like them or, or they're, they're serious about this. Yep. I'm not going to waste my time with someone else. Yeah. If I had three offers in front of me uh, as a seller and, and you know, two of those people hadn't been in the property and one of them had, and the offers were even close, or maybe he was even a little less than the other yeah. two. I would go with the guy that's actually yep. Same put here. his hands on it, seen it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Beautiful. Okay. That was a lot for your favorite real estate book. We got a ton of value out of that question. <laughs> Teacher never asked that question again. <laughs> yeah. How about your favorite business book? Business book. I think I mentioned this one last time, but four hour work week. And I know it's a little cliche, but nothing changed my life more than reading that book at the time that I read it. Just, it just changed my entire perspective on you don't need to physically attached to your business at all time. Yeah. If you are, then work towards, if, if this is one of your goals and it was for me to like travel and, and see the world, uh, work in your business so that you can get to the point where you've got systems in place where you don't need to physically be there all the time, where you can manage that thing from anywhere in the world. So uh, that's, a, that's a, a perfect kind of model to what we're doing here, where the business that Brandon and I are in now, we can be based out of it anywhere, really, yeah. right? So why not Maui? Yeah, so, yeah four-hour work week yeah. all the way. All right. How about 
You know, I know what the hobby I want you to talk about is, and it's you rescuing everybody's lives in the, <laughs> the Hawaiian ocean. But is there any hobbies other than that? And then please do touch on your Baywatch ways. Yeah, I mean, I don't like to throw the term hero around loosely or anything, but I mean, you you brought it up. So I mean, if that's if that's what you're alluding to, then I guess I have no choice but to take that. No, uh, no, I like to, I like to spend a lot of time at the beach. Brandon likes to surf. I take the easy way out and do bodyboarding. Same lives. It, it requires like Same way life. less paddling and actual physical work. Um, so I do that, but no, there's been a couple incidents in the past year or so where there were some people in distress, uh, distress swimmers, uh, mostly tourists who don't understand the local water conditions and how dangerous it can, it can be. Yeah. So I, I do freelance as a lifeguard uh, with <laughs> lifeguards and, and have dragged, uh, people from the brink of death up onto the beach. So, yeah, I mean, the rip currents are the rip currents, right? Yeah. They're pretty yeah, crazy. They're they'll nasty. suck you yeah, out. They're nasty. It's scary. Yeah. And so people just get sucked out and Ryan's yeah. out there with his yeah. boogie board out yeah. there. And it's to the people. point now on this one particular beach, I can see it happening because it's the same spot on that same beach when the conditions are right and you see swimmers and they just get sucked out there. And I just sit and wait at this point. <laughs> and I know that like they're going to be in trouble. And sure enough, like a head will go underwater or they'll start waving their arms. And then I know yep. that we've got to go get them. So I'm not the only one. It's like a pretty common thing there where. Uh, surfers and bodyboarders have to rescue people. Yeah. Crazy. Isn't it funny how it's like a small little innocuous sign that says, Hey, be careful. Yeah, danger. There could <laughs> yeah. be a rip curl. And then yeah. you're watching people almost dying in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. People don't take it seriously. And I think that's a, that's an issue like all over the Island everywhere now. Cause there's signs for everything like danger, look out, danger, look out. So yeah. at this point, you don't know what's what you, what to believe yeah. or not. Like, cause they've got to gear everything to like the most frail and weak person in the world. Yeah. So how do you really know what's dangerous and, yeah. and what isn't? And I know I was surprised uh, only having been here a year now, like the power of the water. There were a couple of times where I got caught off guard yeah. and I could have easily been one of those people that got swept away. And, and maybe someday I will be because of, you know, some stupid thing that I did. So I can only hope that, you know, if I'm in trouble, somebody's there to to, to drag me up on the beach. Well, yeah. I promise you, I've gone out with Brandon snorkeling before and I was using a mask that they call the widow maker, which I was informed <laughs> kills people all the time. And it was all only when we had. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, Brandon, I'm going to use it anyway. Just stay really close to me. And if you see me start floating without moving, like come get me out of this carbon monoxide hell that I've fallen into. And Brandon stayed at least 50 feet away from me at all times. <laughs> Never looked back even once the entire time. So don't rely on him to save your life. Like that's the advice I'm going to give you that maybe will save your uh, life. I yeah. a real friend that values yeah. your life. You want to you invite me next time too, man. Yeah. I, got, I got you back. Ryan was standing on the shore watching yeah. you. Yeah, binoculars. You he was yeah. good. I'm all over the place. I'm everywhere. He, Love was, it. he was there. Yeah. The Widowmaker, for those who don't know, yeah. he's talking about the, it's those full like mask full face. snorkels. Yeah. To have like yeah. the one monocle that goes up the top. I don't know if you call that a one mono snorkel, snorkel. Yeah. mono oracle anyway it's like they sell my costco and they like so they can't be that bad but they're we had so a, great i risked my life it was worth it i yeah, mean they work so good yeah it's really nice and you can see like a whole lot more and like yeah. your whole faces in it it's so much more fun when you're lightheaded and dizzy yeah forget your name <laughs> yeah what, <laughs> it's great what they say is that like people die snorkeling with them because I don't know. They think the car carbon monoxide or carbon dioxide builds up in there builds up and people pass out or they get close and then you can't yeah, pull the mask off. It's all anecdotal. I don't know if there's anything. Yeah, I don't know if there's actually a science effect. Yeah, well, we know Brandon doesn't believe it because he was way out there, not anywhere close. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. I mean, the, odds of getting, yeah. the odds of dying in the car on the way out there were far yeah. greater than you dying yeah. with your little. That's true. That's a good mask. point. I was already a survivor. You You're, believe in I believe in you. Yeah. That's why you did it. All right. Tough enough. There you go. Number four. Ryan, what do you think separates successful individuals, successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Persistence, for sure. Um, if you're persistent enough in anything, I think you can accomplish whatever it is that you want. Um, you can be very smart 
and very savvy, but if you're extremely lazy and just have no ambition or motivation to do anything, you're not going to do anything. You can be an idiot with all the persistence in the world. And like one of those little battery operated cars that just keeps banging off the wall, like you'll eventually turn around and and hit your target. So I think yeah. above all persistence is, is where it's at. Now, hopefully you don't like self-destruct while trying all the wrong things first. So you still want to try to educate yourself and make yeah. intelligent decisions. But if you just keep at it and you'll, you'll get there. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that was good. Well, we're going to get out of here. David, you want to ask the, the last question and then we'll move on to our outro. Yes, Ryan. Tell me, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, we didn't mention it, but I do work for Bigger Pockets, so you can hit me up there. Yeah. Uh, Ryan at BiggerPockets.com. Shoot me an email, and I'm trying to build my Instagram. I'm going to overtake Brandon at some point. Someday. I think I'm only half a million followers behind him, but uh, <laughs> Ryan.Murdoch21 on Instagram. You find me there. Ryan.Murdoch. Ryan.Murdoch21. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, before we get out of here, we do have, because it's, obviously we're in the same place now, so we don't have to like kick you out and talk bad about you behind your back like we normally do. No, you just do it right in front of me. No, we're doing it right yeah. for you. No, but before we get out of here, first of all, Ryan, thank you very much. You've been a rock star yeah, on my thank team. You guys. Like, and now let me take yeah. a time out because I want to thank mm-hmm. you, Brandon, and thank your you. wife, Heather. You guys have been just extraordinarily generous to well, me thanks. and my wife and like facilitating this entire move and like putting yourself out and you're trusting me. So I do want to make that like, well, on, on the record. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Classy move, mercenary. Classy move, mercenary. All right. Before we get out of here, I do want to read uh, a pro shout out. Every week now, we're going to be talking about a pro member who's doing awesome stuff. So today's pro shout out is Jeremy Ellicox from Newport News, Virginia. He used a VA loan to buy a live-in flip uh, right near his job. Purchase price was like 189000 He's saving a bunch of cash because he was paying 1500 bucks a month in rent. Like this is really like straight out of like Scott Trench's book, like Set for Life. Uh, lowering expenses, getting as much income as you can, building equity into property. So anyway, shout out to Jeremy. And hey, remember, if you want a chance for a shout out on the Bigger Pockets podcast, email us at podcast at biggerpockets.com. That's podcast at biggerpockets.com. And put the words pro deal, P-R-O-D-E-A-L in the subject line. Again, podcast at biggerpockets.com, subject line, pro deal. And share the details with us. That's all we got. So you want to take us out, David Green? Absolutely. He is Beardy Brandon. We have Ryan.Murdoch and I am David Green24 on Instagram. Let us know what you thought of this. Ryan.Murdoch21. 21. Ooh, Ryan.Murdoch21. Thank you. Kind of similar to my 24. We have a good little thing going on there. Beardy Brandon 20. Anyways, this is David Green for Ryan the Mercenary Murdoch and Brandon doesn't care if his best friend dies, Turner. (laughs) Signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming small multifamily bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. 
today and join us in the small multifamily bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.